0: I picked them to be, I think, seventy-seven and eighty-five, or something like that. A couple of games under five hundred. And uh, the nice thing is, when you look at the outfield, you're sorting through different names. Yeah, I think Stephen Kwan has established himself as a leadoff guy, and that can play the outfield. while Straw back came back from the dead finally. I don't know what was going on there for so long, because the guy was a career two-sixty-five hitter before this. And then you're so you. Looking at right field, and you're looking at Gonzalez or Nolan Jones. I mean, they have this guy in the minor, Will Brennan, who actually had the best minor league season of any of those three. I'm talking about Jones and Gonzalez, but he's never on the 40 man roster, so they have kind of him being held back. Uh, that's encouraging because for so many years, he couldn't find any off
1: yeah, I, I agree. And it's nice, Terry, wouldn't you agree, for so many years we've seen these young pitchers come up through the system, and they've been terrific for us, a couple of different generations of pitchers. Now we're starting to see these position guys come up through and make an impact.
0: Yes, and I if you look at the, the fact, too, is all three of those guys we just mentioned, I'm talking about the last three, Nolan Jones, Oscar Gonzalez, and, uh, and Quan, they were drafted or signed by Cleveland. It's not like straw that was acquired from somewhere else. So whatever they've done finally in their scouting is coming around. I mean, Nolan Jones, by the way, was drafted. How about 2016? So, I mean, he's they've been waiting on him for quite a while. He was in that same draft with Beaver and Savali uh, and Plesek. Um, and there's a guy, I don't know if he's going to make it or not, at Columbus Wolf Benson, who was the first-round pick in that draft, who was actually playing fairly well, finally, but these, this is one of the things you kick those kids out of high school. You guys sometimes have to wait a long time. It's so like the other sports where, you know, when you're drafting somebody in, in football or in basketball, you within a couple of years, you're expecting to see something. You know, it's, I remember um, Mark Shapiro said to me, you know, we draft them, we bring them in for the big press conference to introduce them and say maybe we'll see you in four or five years.
1: Mm-hmm. Andres Jimenez, would you say he's mm-hmm. been the biggest surprise on this team, and quite an impact he's had?
0: I'd have to think about biggest surprise, but on the team, but overall, he's a huge surprise. Now, here's another uh, thing that you look at, Ray, is that when he was 16 years old, he was signed by the Mets. We're talking about Jimenez, signed by the Mets for a million two, one point two million, out of Venezuela. That is a huge bonus given to a Latino player at that time. So he was considered a hot prospect. But he's 16. I mean, how do you know? By the way, Jose Ramirez was signed at the age of 16 for $50,000, which is basically the basement bonus you give anybody out of the Dominican or somewhere else. Um, that's the, the interesting thing to look at all that. And the third guy, by the way, who's their all-star, because I just was looking this up yesterday, uh, Emmanuel Clase was signed for $125,000 now of the Connecticut. So in other words, of those three guys, the one that was attached with the star rating was Jimenez, and he came up to the Mets in 2020 at the age of 20 years old. You know, then last year um, in 21, you know, he struggled and all that, but here he is, he's just turning 23, and he's turned into a star. You don't know what these kids are developing to, uh I mean, physically, if you look at pictures of him, say from the Mets in 2020 uh, to now in two years, I mean, he—I'm not saying he's gotten big and strong, but he was a real skinny little kid back then. Now he's—he's uh, he's filling out. He might—I've been writing since uh, April. I think he's going to be a star, and I—I um, I didn't know he was going to hit with this much power right away, but it's been exciting.
1: Yeah, and, and you look at Rosario at short and Jimenez mm-hmm. at second. You know, they were part of the. Uh, the big trade with the New York Mets, of course, with Lindor. I bring that up, and then I want to change gears a little bit. Is Rosario going to be the future at shortstop? Do you anticipate them trying to move him? I I love him. I love the way he plays baseball. He's he's just a baseball player, so I hope not. But many people have said that he, him and his, his position is shortstop. Well, his position is shortstop.
0: Or can can they continue to go this way? Sure they can. Or what about this? Maybe you go through the year uh, with Rosario playing there, and then come next spring, you actually don't just throw him out to the outfield for two weeks or something like that like they would do periodically and then say, oh, it's not working. Say, no, you're going to be our super utility guy. But, see, right now, if you move uh, Jimenez too short, who is your second baseman? I, there's nobody right, right now that I say you got to plug in there and play.
1: Yeah, I agree with that 100. And 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 again, that those two up the middle have been terrific. Go, Terry Pluto was mm-hmm. with How us. How about
0: this? There was a yeah. story in the New York Post mentioning that uh, Lindor did not make the All Star team for the second year in a row, but the guy traded for him did.
1: I know. It's been terrific. You look at the two statistics of Rosario and Jimenez and Lindor. I mean, uh, the Guardians did a nice job. I don't know what happened to Lindor. I mean, he's got some power still. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those who like the OPS, you know,
0: he's uh, like 720 or 730. But if you were to look at his stats, uh, say from 2019 until now, there's been a, a decline each year. You know, the other day I looked. He's like done at two thirty nine again. His batting average. I know there's other numbers. He has some home runs and things. Yeah. But still, what happened to this guy? You would expect this type of three year decline to be happening once you get to thirty two or thirty three, not in his late twenties.
1: I agree. Terry, let's change gears and go to the Bakerless Browns here. The trade finally goes Uh down. Baker goes to Carolina. So that separation, and you said it a couple of weeks ago here on the show, he's not going to be on the team. They get a fifth-round draft pick, but the bigger thing here is they move Baker on to Carolina. You know, the Baker-Mayfield thing two years ago, he's a playoff quarterback, gets banged up, and now he's a Uh Panther. How do you look at Baker's time in Cleveland? You know,
0: probably overall, if you rate him, he's an average quarterback, but he's never had an average season because when he was a rookie in 18, um, that was a good year. And he had a good year in spite of a coaching change, offensive coordinator change, all that stuff, I believe. He set an NFL rookie uh, record for touchdown passes. Then in 19 with Freddie Kitchens, he was a disaster. That was a disaster. 20, you know, uh, the – The new system comes in with Stefanski. Especially the second half of that year, he played extremely well. And overall, I think he ranked around the top 10. You know, like 10th in a lot of those categories that ranked quarterbacks in 20, and last year he was awful. Um, Now, last year you could look at and say he was hurt, and I think that's a legitimate uh, point of discussion. That's why if I were Carolina, and that's why I was convinced they were at some point going to get him. You know this, Sam Darnold, He's always played like Baker played in 2021, so you know what you have there which yeah. is not enough. Baker is a perfect gamble for them, and we'll see how it, it, it comes out. I wrote a column on Sunday talking a little bit about the Panthers, and I interviewed uh, Ellis Williams, who used to work for us at the Point Dealer, and he's now the, Sher- uh, the beat guy for the Charlotte Observer. And he said, "I, how about in each of the last three years the Panthers have won exactly five games? But he's, he just thinks it could be a better team than that. They've added some stuff on the offensive line. McCaffrey, their running back, is back. That Not that Baker can be great, but it's not a bad spot for him to revive his career. You know, low expectations. If he's healthy, um, you know, he could win some games there and, and, and maybe play fairly well. And if not, as he said, it, for the Panthers, there's no downside to the deal. There's zero.
1: Agreed. Okay, so. Going forward with the Browns through your contacts in the NFL, have you heard anything at all in regards to Deshaun Watson's availability for 22?
0: No, and I'll tell you, anybody that says they do, unless they happen to be a friend of the judge, uh, Sue Robinson, um, and and she happened to tell them anything, (laughs) everybody's guessing right now. They just are. Remember, Ray, this is different than in the past. This is this whole the first time they're having this system where uh, the, the, the union and the NFL agreed to hire this judge, Sue Robinson, to you know, handle the case, hear the case, make a re- make a recommendation about the case. It's not like in the past where the union would present their case, defending a player to Roger Goodell in the NFL, and then Goodell would have the final say. Now, Goodell, there are some ways that he could overrule the judge. But, boy, that would be really bad. You know, you just finally get this agreement in between with you and the union. So then you put the judge in, and the next thing you know, you whack the judge's opinion anyway.
1: Agreed. That would be a horrible look for the NFL.
0: Yeah, it would. I mean, okay, if you say, well, she said 12 games and we say 10, I mean, okay, you know, maybe that's all right or something. But the people that are guessing, they don't know. Because the system's never been done before. We're in the past. Now, the Browns thinking, Ray, was this. Their research showed that players who were suspended for a full year either had committed felonies or at least charged with felonies, or they were involved in some sort of gambling, like uh, Ridley, the receiver, for example, this year, suspended all year for a gambling thing. So felonies and gambling, and they looked at it as, well, our guy is not involved in either one of those, uh, and so we think uh, it's worth it. It'll be less than a year, but that's the old system. I also think this case is so different than a lot of other cases they've had, too, so that's why it's – when they finally do rule, those people who look at all this kind of uh, labor law and that will have a great time sorting through it all.